Are you looking to build your church's group ministry? Get the training and resources you need with All Access, a new plan from the Small Group Network. I'm James Browning with the Small Group Network. For $49 a month or just $4.90 a year, you get All Access to courses, workshops, coaching, and more. Plus, half off all of our in-person events, including The Lobby and Accelerate. And the best part is, All Access is a church-wide license. That means every staff member, every volunteer, and every leader at your church is included for that same price. Head over to smallgroupnetwork.com slash allaccess to learn more and compare plans. All Access is your community unlocked. Welcome to Fifth Wednesday. I'm James Browning with the Small Group Network, and Fifth Wednesday is our special bonus series. They usually happen roughly every time there are five Wednesdays in the month. And typically there are shows that are outside the normal flow and topic of conversations that we have, but that are just too good not to include. This episode is an interview with Ruth Haley Barton, the founder of the Transforming Center in Wheaton, Illinois. Ruth is a teacher and author of several books, including, but not limited to, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, Invitation to Retreat, Pursuing God's Will Together, and Sacred Rhythms. Typically, Ruth speaks with leaders and church leadership across the country. In this conversation, I have the opportunity to sit down with Ruth and talk about her new book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest, which leads to a conversation on keeping the Sabbath and why we tend to be so bad at it. Ruth also touches briefly on sabbatical, but for the full look at both topics, you'll have to read her new book. And speaking of the book, stick around to the end of the episode to find out how you can win your very own copy, or check out the show notes to find out where you can buy an early release edition. Now, let's jump into our conversation with Ruth Haley Barton. Because right now we're in the, you know, we're in the middle of launching a new book and a lot of attention is going to that right now, a new transforming resource. So um, I think once we get past that, then we'll be looking more at, at the, the year following December. And I know that there'll be really good ideas. When does that book launch? The official launch date is October 11th. Um, embracing rhythms of work and rest from Sabbath to sabbatical and back again. But this is so interesting. The book came to the publisher three months early. So they pushed really hard because of paper shortages to get everything in early so that we could meet the October 11th date and have that guaranteed. But instead we ended up with the book three months early. We got it in early July. So it is actually out and the publisher is selling it. It's not available on Amazon yet, but it is available through the publisher. So, but we're pushing towards, you know, big launch activities on October 11th and in the midst of recording our own podcast season about the book right now. And for anyone listening who wants to purchase that, the link will be in the show notes and yeah. and all of that. And uh, for anyone who wants to wait or wants the Kindle version, mm-hmm. we'll put that link in there Great. <laughs> as well. Great. But that that's honestly kind of a minor miracle. Like literally everyone else is three months late 
I know. And we weren't prepared. I've been joking about the fact that it's like having a premature baby. We don't have the crib. We don't have the room painted. Like we had a really good launch plan and having it come in early actually sent us all into kind of a tizzy um, because we just, we we weren't prepared. So we're just, now we feel like we have a tiger by the tail um, and we're now trying to keep up. But, you know, in some ways the book is a lovely summer book. So those who got it in the summer, I think are going to be blessed because um, it looks like a summer book and also it's about rhythms of work and rest. And so many people, as they come into fall, they're trying to think about how am I going to do, you know, my life now coming up into the fall. And so if, if people who did have it early take a chance to read it, then it, it actually can give them the opportunity to think before the fall, how do I want to establish sane rhythms of work and rest in my life as I enter into the fall season? Because for many pastors, the fall is a very busy launch type of season. Um, so it's almost too late to try to think about rhythms then. It's much better to think about it early. So I would suggest going to InterVarsity Press's website and just ordering it. They're giving a good 30% discount right now. And so uh, you can you can get it if you want it. Yeah, that's actually exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing a giveaway with this and mm-hmm. I will be ordering directly from them mm-hmm. and sending that out to the giveaway winner. So if you're listening to this, uh, check the show notes for how to win your copy uh, of the book. We're, I've, I am about halfway through it. I, we had on our end a mix up on scheduling. So I started the book um, Sunday night. And it's a Tuesday morning <laughs> now. So I will say I've sped through about three quarters of it, but I think I'm going to read it, reread it a little bit more slowly after this yes. interview. In true Sabbath up. fashion. Yes. Slow it down. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I like, it's very convicting. Like it's like reading about a particular sin while you're committing the sin. <laughs> so, uh, I feel um, your pain. I really do. <laughs> Yeah. And to be honest, I, I'm proud of myself for not also trying to listen to your podcast while reading the book to catch oh. up. <laughs> with so that would have been, that probably would have been a bridge too far. Mm, yes. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about your new book, the book that you have coming up, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest from Sabbath to Sabbatical and Back Again. And uh, you had mentioned this earlier in just us getting to know each other. This is kind of an odd timing for the book because right now is ramping up to be the busy season for everyone. So right as everyone is getting their calendars too full, you're saying, all right, we need to take a break. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about the book. Well, um, I was mentioning that we ended up getting the book three months early, which is unprecedented in publishing. I mean, I've never, I've published many books and I have never had anything like this happen before. And so it's meant, it was meant to be a fall book coming out October 11th, but we ended up getting it in the summer. And there was a part of that, that for me felt quite right because not only does the book look like a summer book in terms of the colors on the cover, but also I think many people as they enter into their fall are thinking, how can I do this one differently? You know, as I get my kids back in school, as, you know, um, ministry ramps up in churches and pastors are, you know, thinking towards the new initiatives in the fall and things like that. Um, To be talking about the subject of Sabbath before we get back into all that could be really beneficial. Before it's too late, right? Before we establish all these things in the fall that just have us running around like crazy people. Could we think a little bit about our rhythms of work and rest 
which God intends for us. God does not intend for us to work 24 seven, um, all the time, every day of the week. We were not created like that. God knows we cannot function like that for the long term. that we will flame out, that we will burn out. So God has given us this gift of Sabbath and a real rhythm of work and rest. And so I think the timing could be perfect for some of us to consider what are the re- what are the rhythms that I want to establish in my life now before I get into the craziness of the fall? How am I going to do it in such a way that I honor my own personal limitations, that I honor the way God has made me, that I honor uh, the gift of Sabbath in my life, uh, the gift of these rhythms, um, and maybe start to get after a little bit right now, you know, before we enter in, you know? What... What prompted you to write this book? You've written a lot of books. You've written a lot of great books. Mm -hmm. And uh, this, as far as I know, is the first one on Sabbath. Is that correct? Yes. I have a chapter on Sabbath in the the book, Sacred Rhythms. And I have a chapter on Sabbath in the book, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. Um, But this is the first time I've really treated it fully. And also there's a part one and a part two. The, The first part is on Sabbath, but the second part is on sabbatical as an extension of our Sabbath practice. And so this book is unabashedly addressed towards pastors and leaders and leaders in denominations and elders and people who have the opportunity to establish and shape the life of a community. Um, And it's addressed to leaders and how important it is for leaders to have their own Sabbath rhythm and Sabbath practice amid the demands of leadership. And then it's also taking it a step further and identifying Sabbath as a communal practice. You know, when it was given by God to the Israelites, it was given to a community. It was not given to an individual. Um, It's not about individuals trying to figure out how to take a Sabbath and get some rest. It's really about how whole communities can order their lives around uh, rhythms of work and rest and particularly honoring the rhythm of the seventh day um, that God intends for us to live in. And so then how can we embed this in our communities? How can we order our whole community's existence around keeping a Sabbath? And I actually use, introduce a new bit of uh, phraseology, a new bit of language to talk about Sabbath communities, what it would look like for our community to be a Sabbath community. In other words, a community that orders its life around Sabbath keeping. Um, So it's very challenging because um, even the leaders that I've been talking to about it so far feel very challenged by the idea that part of their leadership might be and should be to establish Sabbath rhythms. And many leaders have not thought about it that way. They've not thought about that as part of their leadership. But I really rely on the life of Moses to say that God gave the instruction about Sabbath to Moses, who was the senior leader um, of the Jews, of the Israelite people. And it was his job to lead the people in establishing this rhythm. He did not delegate that to Joshua or Aaron or anyone else. God said, you yourself are to teach the people how to keep the Sabbath day holy. And so um, a, bang, a drum that I bang in this book is that it is a part of our spiritual leadership as as leaders to lead people into the, the practice of Sabbath. And then sabbatical is just part and parcel of that pattern. You also in the book talk a bit about communal Sabbath in regards to family. Can you tell me a little bit about what that looks like and and what your experience is? You kind of go through some of the different life stages and and how people do that. I have a six-year-old and a Mm four-year-old 
and rest is challenging for <laughs> yeah. my wife and I. And mm-hmm. a lot of times we take turns on it. That's right. That's what you have to do. Us to rest as a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you have to do. Yeah. So again, this is another uh, aspect, another layer of Sabbath keeping as a communal discipline. Sometimes when I teach on Sabbath, many times when I teach on Sabbath, somebody in the room is going to raise their hand and say, "Well, I take my Sabbath on Monday when the kids are at school. How do you feel about that?" And I'm like, well, I can't endorse that because Sabbath keeping was always meant to be taken with your most intimate community. And that is your family um, and your worshiping community. Um, of course, in the Jewish history, there's it's, it's part of their ethnicity is for the whole community uh, to stop and cease and have a different kind of day. I don't I think that opportunity is going to be tough for us because our whole culture has moved so far beyond identifying any one day as being a special day, a set apart day. But I think in terms of our families and in terms of our worshiping communities, there is an opportunity for us to establish rhythms within those communities. And so what that means is that we need to find a way to practice Sabbath, no matter what our season of life is in our families. And that means that Sabbath is going to look different through the seasons of life, which is why I spend a whole chapter really allowing some voices who are in different seasons of their own lives to speak about their own experience. So when we have young children, that's one of the most challenging seasons of life for Sabbath keeping. Um, But I do think it's still possible to slow down the schedule. You're stripping out everything from the schedule except your family and what would delight you as a family. So when children are young, you know, it might be a trip to the zoo. It might be going for a walk. It might be, um, you know, going swimming. Uh, You know, you're, you're planning it around what would delight your family and enable your family to be together and enjoy the gift of God uh, within your family. For parents, it also means I have a big chapter in the book on unplugging. And so even to be with your family unplugged from everybody's technologies is huge. I mean, that's a different level of presence than our children many often ever get from their parents is our full attention without us always checking our phones or doing texting or checking social media. That's going to be different in and of itself. And then the other thing that I could suggest is that, you know, number one, you're making it a day for your family to delight in being together and whatever that looks like for you. Now, I know parents are tired and the idea of Sabbath and rest and taking a nap is just something we long for. So another thing that could be different on the Sabbath, that if your kids still nap or take quiet time of any sort, that rather than us rushing around trying to get tasks done, because we're having a Sabbath too, when the kids nap or when the kids take a quiet time, and we can train them in this, we can train children to have a quiet time, to sit in their bed or to sit in their crib and have quiet, then we take a nap too. We don't rush around trying to wash the floor and check email and, you know, all of that. We stop too. We crawl into bed and take a nap. And so whatever the space is that we get, we take it and we allow it to be a resting time. So those are a few ideas. The book has way more ideas than that um, for how parents of young children can do that. But there's other seasons of life, too, that make Sabbath really challenging. And so I tried to address them all in this book with just some really practical ideas. You're really speaking my wife's love language, which is naps. She is a a big fan of naps. And (laughs) it was a struggle for us early on in our marriage because if I take a nap, I can't fall asleep at night. Mm -hmm. And I already need less sleep than my wife. When Mm -hmm. we were first married, I thought, oh, when you're married, you go to bed at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so I would just lay there in bed staring at the ceiling or reading mm-hmm. a book or something and she'd be sound asleep. Mm-hmm. She honestly just needs more sleep than I do. Yeah. But she's been big on 
teaching our kids about rest time for my oldest, who is like me. Mm-hmm. She does not need a nap. She mm-hmm. does need to sit in a room and That's play right. quietly or whatever. And to let the RPM slow down and yeah. When we moved out here for, for our most recent job, uh, I don't have any responsibilities on the weekend at our church. I'm very mm-hmm. fortunate in that. Mm-hmm. And so our church has both Saturday and Sunday services. And we started attending the Saturday at four yes. o'clock service. And that meant that Sundays we didn't have anything. That's right. And I'd spent my whole life in the church or working at churches mm-hmm. and being busy on Sundays. And then all of a sudden it feels like having the first day of the week off mm-hmm. as a family. And so we did exactly what you just suggested. We got a, a season pass to the San Diego zoo mm-hmm. and we go once or twice a month to the zoo or safari park. And just, it's, it's a, an hour away. So it's a long car ride. Kids are just sitting there listening to audiobooks. I've listened to Amelia Bedelia a thousand mm-hmm. times <laughs> and all of this, but it was like, it changed our family. Like it yeah. made a huge difference in, in that. Yeah. And I, I've honestly, when people, when we get into the nitty gritty of how churches can order their lives around this, I always, I'm, you know, very brave to say that um, ideally, I think if worship can happen on Saturday night, um, so everybody worships like at four or five, and then either you have a communal meal or everybody, you know, they go out, they go home, but that's the beginning of the Sabbath. And then everybody wakes up on Sundays and you don't have to get everybody ready for church and get dressed and all the stress of getting a family to church, but then it can be a day of rest. So honestly, and that isn't the, the Jewish tradition, you know, the synagogue took place on Friday night and then then the rest of the Sabbath day just opens out for all the other things. And so I wish, I I know some churches around here in our area who meet at five o'clock on Saturday night and man, they are fans. They would never go back uh, to having church on Sunday morning. So that's really challenging. And there's lots of other issues besides this simplistic way that I'm dealing with it. But on the surface of things, if there was a way for people to worship on Saturday night and have that be the beginning of their Sabbath and then wake up on Sunday with the day open to them for being with family and being in that intimate community, I think there's a lot to be said for that rhythm. And you're fortunate that you have the opportunity um, to enter in because I can, I can believe you that it has changed your family's life together. What is the ideal scenario for a leader of a church or an organization what would communal Sabbath look like in that context? Mm-hmm. Well, those are two very different things. So let me start with the church, because even for one thing, uh, uh, small groups won't have the same kind of authority to shape the whole church's life, if, if I can say it that way. So let me start by talking about the church, because I actually think it needs to start there with the whole church, highest levels of leadership, embracing Sabbath as a value so that we can become a Sabbath community. So um, what I would be suggesting is that, first of all, the pastor or pastoral staff, they need to be practicing Sabbath first in their own lives in ways that ground them in the goodness and the beauty. And I would go so far as to say the necessity of Sabbath as a rhythm in their life because um, it's a hard word, but I'm going to say it. And that is that the Sabbath is not a lifestyle suggestion from God. The lifestyle, the the Sabbath is actually one of the 10 commandments. It's the fourth command. And so I think it's the best commandment personally, because it's such a beautiful gift, but we need to grapple with what we believe about the Sabbath. Do we think it's just a lifestyle suggestion that different individuals get to decide whether they're going to practice it? Or is it something that God really wants for us and that should order the life of our community? And only the highest level leaders in a church can discern and decide that. 
Um, and it begins with them practicing it in such a way that it's meaningful for them, grounding for them. They've become convinced that it's a gift of God that we don't want to miss out on and that we want to lead others into. Then from that personal practice, then they bring it to the wider levels of leadership in the church. And together we decide that, yes, we do want to order our church's life around Sabbath keeping. Um, and then, you know, it gets preached, it gets taught, there are small groups, um, then you make all your scheduling decisions around Sabbath. So when somebody uh, wants to add another ministry initiative, there's somebody in the room, hopefully the senior leader who says, now, wait a second, how's that going to affect our ability to practice Sabbath? Um, because there's always going to be strategic and innovative ideas that sound really, really good. But if nobody ever brings up the topic of Sabbath, how are the pastor, how are the pastors going to get a Sabbath? How are the high level volunteers, the parking lot attendants, the nursery workers, the Sunday school teachers, the youth group leaders, how are they going to get a Sabbath if we add this ministry initiative? This is where it starts. You don't, it doesn't start with the small groups. It starts with the larger church embracing this value together. If I can be so bold. and then from there, there's a, there's a lot of possibility then for the small groups to decide together um, how how will we order our small group connections. And it could be that that's where the Sabbath meal takes place, that there's a Sabbath meal that the group shares together. Um, but I think when when the group meets would then take into account when it, when are we practicing Sabbath. So one of the moments that I describe in the book that was really sobering for me is that I've been on a church staff for many of the years of my life. But during a season when I wasn't on staff at a church and our family was beginning to attend a church just as a normal family, I thought, well, now, now that I'm not on staff at a church, I can finally practice Sabbath with my family. And this church in particular loaded all their activities onto Sundays. And Sundays was the only time that our family could even hope to have a Sabbath. We had three teenagers and all of that. And lo and behold, it was all the church activities that kept us from being able to practice a Sabbath. They had the youth group meetings on Sabbath. They, on the Sunday, they had congregational meetings, small group meetings, choir practices. Everything happened on Sunday and our family was going and coming all day at different times and in different ways. And it was the busy, it was a very busy day, but because the church was creating the busyness. And so I, I made this sobering discovery that it's not necessarily the secular culture that's keeping us from practicing Sabbath. It's actually the church that's keeping us from practicing Sabbath. And the church, you know, is going to have to grapple with this. And so um, I'm going to offer you one very challenging quote from the book that you might not have gotten to yet that I think really gets at this truth. Um, and it's from one of my teachers, Tilden Edwards, who's um, an Episcopal priest. But he says this, um, says the church's primary social and psychological task is to help people manage their experienced dependency upon God in such a way that they are better able to care effectively for the world. These two dimensions of dependency and caring define the needed rhythm of life. And here's the kicker. The church is the only large scale institution in society that is accountable for and capable of fostering such an authentic rhythm. Now that is a quote to grapple with. That is on page 117. When you get the book, go to page 117. The church is the only large scale institution in society that is accountable for and capable of fostering such an authentic rhythm. And I, I think that's one of the main reasons I wrote a whole book on Sabbath was to say that. To say, if the church doesn't get this one together and figure out how to lead and guide and teach a Sabbath practice, none of the rest of us are going to get to have it. Um, 
and our values, those of us who embrace the value of Sabbath on a personal level are going to find that it puts us in contradiction with the lives of our churches. And that's a very hard dilemma. That is going to create a real dilemma for people who are trying to go to church and be faithful to a spiritual community. So, um, you know, once the bigger church gets it all worked out, then the smaller, small groups can determine now, how are we going to meet as small groups um, around this rhythm of Sabbath that we're all embracing together? I think that that ties in, especially with something you said, it might've even been in the introduction. It was very early on in the book where uh, the idea of Sabbath, uh, that commandment is something that is bidden, not forbidden. Mm -hmm. And I think the church as a whole uh, culturally at this point in time is pretty good at handling the commandments that are forbidden, mm-hmm. but really bad at handling the commandments that are bidden. We're yes. bad at tithing. We're bad at uh, spending time in prayer. We're bad at doing all the things we know we should be doing. And we think we've got it covered because we aren't doing the things we're not supposed to be doing. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's, that's a great insight. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of, of all this, we we're out of time, but we I would have loved to have covered sabbatical, which is the really half of your book. So we haven't even covered the second half. But I'd love for you to share a little bit about that, and then if we have a moment, I don't I don't know if we're going to run out the clock here, but about upcoming retreats that you have with your ministry. Yeah, thank you so much for asking about that because honestly, this book began as a book about sabbatical. I wanted to write a book on sabbatical because when I received my first sabbatical, I couldn't find anything (laughs) to give me guidance on (laughs) sabbatical. And so I was very much wanting to write a book on sabbatical, but then the publisher asked if I would combine that with a book on Sabbath, which became a really good choice because what I'm really convinced of now is that it's really hard to enter into sabbatical effectively and fruitfully if you haven't learned the dynamics of Sabbath keeping because Sabbath keeping is, um, all the dynamics and the underpinnings and um, the, the practices of it and the discipline of it, they all carry over into sabbatical and sabbatical is just an extended time of Sabbath. So everything that you learn in your Sabbath keeping then informs what you do in your sabbatical and sabbatical is just an extension of your Sabbath practice. And um, particularly for the clergy, for people who are pastors, um, sabbatical is, is, you know, particularly fruitful because a clergy person's life usually has them on call at all hours of the day or night. Um, they are, you know, Sunday's always coming. So they're preparing preaching every single week, pouring out way more than the normal parishioner does spiritually. And so that's where the idea of giving clergy a longer sabbatical actually comes from. Now, I also think it's very valuable for others as well. And fortunately, the business community is also beginning to adopt this idea of sabbatical and realize that human beings just need an opportunity from the agricultural perspective. We need an opportunity for the soil of our souls to lie fallow. We know that in agricultural situations that every seven years, the land lies fallow and we don't plant it because the land needs to regain some of its nutrition. And so it comes from the biblical idea of Sabbath, but it also comes from the agricultural rhythms. And so the next half of the book is about how to plan for and unplug and um, engage in a significant sabbatical season and how to um, be nourished and replenished and meet God in those places. And so 
have a particular passion about that because um, I think it's something that we're still grappling with. And I, I think oftentimes it's not embedded in the employment agreements and things like that as it could be. Some denominations actually have it embedded in their denominational policies and practices, but many independent churches don't have a sabbatical embedded in their call papers or the employment agreement or whatever. And I highly suggest that for a a community that wants to identify itself as a Sabbath community, that the Sabbath policy for pastors and clergy is actually um, embedded in their policies and in their procedures. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, uh, the last few minutes of our time, tell us a little bit about your work and you have a couple of upcoming events. Tell us a little bit about what those are and yeah. and uh, how people can be a part of that. Yeah, well, the Transforming Center, um, as we said, it's existed for 20 years and the core offering, our, our whole ministry is organized around our core offering, which we call the Transforming Community Experience. And it is a 27 month experience delivered in nine quarterly retreats. It's a cohort so that pastors and leaders sign up to be a part of a cohort and there's a covenant and they covenant to stay with each other through the 27 months. Um, and so they come here to Chicago um, once a quarter. We meet at a lovely, lovely retreat center and we enter into rhythms of fixed hour prayer and solitude and um, experiences with different spiritual practices. There's an in, inner rhythm to the retreats where uh, we come in, take off our leadership hats. We are a soul in God's presence for the first night and day. And then in the evening, we practice group spiritual direction as our way of being together in smaller groups. Um, so we're experiencing that, uh, the emphasis of that practice in a communal environment. And then the next morning, somewhere along the way, we switch gears and start to focus on the leadership applications of those practices. So it's, it's very practice-based, but uh, leadership w- with a leadership emphasis, how do these things relate to our lives in leadership? And so our next Transforming Community starts in June of 2023. We are accepting applications already. Um, we actually have an early deadline coming up for August 30th, 31st. Um, so people can get a bit of a discount if they, they were to sign up before August 31st. Um, and so, yeah, it's an application and, and, you know, it's a good application process in terms of us trying to identify where are you at in your life with God that would cause you to want to sign up for something like this. Cause it's a significant commitment. I call it an immersion experience in spiritual formation for leaders, um, an immersion experience in transforming leadership, if you will. Um, so people need to know that it's a significant commitment. Um, they need to be ready and we'll help you discern that through the application process. That does sound like a very sacred time. Honestly, it sounds mm-hmm. very special. Yeah. Uh, Ruth, thank you so much for your time. One of the best parts about being in a podcast like this is the fact that a lot of times if you're listening to somebody like normally, if you're just listening to a podcast, you're something interesting. You're like, Oh, I'd love to ask him about that. Well, now I got to. So. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm glad for that too. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for a good conversation and for your passion for it. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. This episode really just took a surface level look at Sabbath and barely even introduced the topic of sabbatical. If you want to go deeper, check out Ruth Haley Barton's book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest by winning a copy from us or by purchasing an early release copy directly from InterVarsity Press. Or you can just wait for the regular release in October and buy it from Amazon. All of these will have linked in the show notes below, so just go ahead and read that if you want to jump on it. 
we will be giving out a pair of the books and there are two different ways to enter. We will choose the winners via random drawing on September 7th. If you're still hearing this, that means we haven't done the drawing yet. The first method of entering is to leave a review for this podcast on your podcast player of choice. It doesn't even have to be a good review. It can be any review. Just take a screenshot of your review and send it to me at info at lumavoz.com. Lumavoz is L-U-M-I-V-O-Z.com. And you can also find that in the show notes. The second method is to find Lumavaz on Facebook and leave a comment on the contest post with your favorite or best Sabbath tip. So whatever tip you have for keeping the Sabbath, we want to see that in the comment. And that post will be pinned at the top of the Facebook page to make it easier for you to find. So you can enter as many times as you want both ways and you will actually increase your odds to win. Good luck. And I can't wait to talk with you on the next fifth Wednesday. Hi, it's James Browning again. I wanted to let you know that we have a big event coming out this July. We are combining our Align and Accelerate training workshops for small group point people just like you. Day one will feature Align, a training overview of small group ministry covering the big pictures and strategies of small group ministry, plus how to align it with your church's mission and vision. It's perfect for those new or returning to small group ministry. Days two and three are Accelerate, an intensive workshop that dives deep into small group strategies. You and your team will come out with a 12 to 18 month plan for your small groups. This workshop is perfect for churches who want to take their existing small group ministry to the next level. This event takes place at the Saddleback Rancho Retreat Center in beautiful San Juan Capistrano, California. Lodging and lunches are included. You have the flexibility of choosing to attend Align or Accelerate or get a discounted rate for attending both. Oh, and if you happen to be an All Access member, your whole team always gets 50% off. So we'll see you this July 11th through 13 at Align and Accelerate. For more information, go to smallgroupnetwork.com slash conferences or check it out in the show notes.